All right, it's time for another uh, episode of OST Party. This week on the show, we're talking about it. Uh, now let me start that over because I had it in my head and then I fumbled it. Um, <clears throat> all right, this week on the show, we're back with more Jim Carrey because guess what? It's time for the sequel to me, myself, and Irene. Irene 2, Iranian Collapse. Is that the name? Uh, Is that As if. Oh. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans come together and have a rocking good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what's shaking? Oh, I am totally bugging about this week's episode. You're bugging? I'm bugging too. Oh my god. I love it. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Uh yeah, this week we are discussing the 1995 teen comedy classic Clueless. Libby, this was <laughs> your suggestion, and it's yes. honestly uh, I have not revisited this in a long time. But thank you for this because I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I thought I thought we were sort of due for this one, something you know, light and fun. Uh, yeah, it, and this one it's summertime. Yeah, yeah. People really seem to get excited about this when we announced it. Which is odd because when when I listened to the soundtrack and I took my notes, before I'd even seen the movie, I thought, "Is this the soundtrack to Clueless? Did I do this it, wrong?" Yeah, it's a it's a little out there for what the movie is, but I kind of appreciate it. I think it's a little subversive. Which, if you really watch Clueless, it, it can be in a lot of places. It's extremely 1995, which we'll get into, but there's there's a lot of heart there. Mm. It's, it was kind of a fun thing to revisit. Oh yeah, and and as we'll as we'll get into, there are a lot of songs that were very intentionally placed, and they they serve a purpose here. So I'm excited to get into a lot of that. Yes. But before we do that, let's settle some unfinished business from our last episode about School of Rock, yes, where we indeed. asked you people. So everybody loves. Uh, School of Rock's cover of ACDC's It's a Long Way to the Top. What we wanted to know was what other song on the soundtrack should they have also covered? And with a solid uh, a 58% of the vote, Edge of 17 by Stevie Nicks won that poll. Oh, yes. Of course. Can you, like, you can just picture Jack Black singing it, and it's glorious. We demand it. We need this in our lives. Give the people what they want, Jack Black. Exactly. Uh, but uh, second place with 23.5% was Substitute by The Who. Uh, Cream's Sunshine of Your Love with 12% was in third place. And finally... No, thank you. Yeah, no thanks. Finally, with 6% of the vote was The Doors' uh, Touch Me, which I think we all agreed We, you know, what we got in the film is enough. See, I think Jack Black would have a lot of fun with that one. I disagree. I say switch that in Sunshine of Your Love. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, if I'm... Being frank, I want him to do the whole album. Like well, he could obviously. have done it. It would have been amazing. Slam dunk, but oh well. Record labels are cowards. Yes. So you have it there. Yeah. Blame your local record company. Would, would, yeah. Won't you? Thank you. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about Clueless. Liffy, uh, what's this one all about? So Clueless is a modern retelling of Emma. 
and follows the adventures of 16-year-old Cher Horowitz as she meddles in everybody's lives, trying to do her very best, as flirty and fashion-forward as she is, to make people's lives genuinely better. I have to say, this is the best Jane Austen adaptation I've seen this year, and I have somehow seen a lot of them. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't need to talk about why I watched Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but suffice it to say, this is quite a bit better. Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> That's the saddest thing anyone has said to me all day. Well, we got a long podcast ahead of us, so <laughs> let's just keep on rolling. Let's just dive into the sadness. Yeah. No. Um. What's your What's your connection with this movie? This when this one came out, I remember I was eight or nine years old, and you know, an eight or nine year old boy looks at Clueless and goes, "Oh, that's a girl movie. I don't want to watch it." But my parents loved it to death, so I couldn't get away from it. <laughs> and I really didn't revisit it until I was well into high school, which I think is like the perfect time to watch Clueless because then you actually get what's going on and what it's all about. Uh-huh. And yeah, of course I loved it. Of, of course, like, it just it, it clicks and you're like, oh, this is much more than just a girl movie, which guys, if you're out there listening, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then uh haven't seen it since until we uh, decided to do this. And man, it's just so many good memories. <laughs> so many fun yeah. times. It's a snow cone of a film. Exactly. I, I remember seeing it and I don't think I liked it at first. Then I watched it again maybe in college and it made sense and then in watching it this time i think i got something different from it and while i enjoyed it i i don't know if i need to see it again again and it was it was often compared to rami michelle's high school reunion and i feel like as a high schooler college student i felt clueless a little more and as an adult i feel like i'm a little more on the rami michelle side um, as far as which is the better film, but yeah, I understand that because like it's definitely sort of a the moment you are the time in, in your life when you watch it, you kind of pull different things from it. So yeah, yeah I get that. It's a very high school focused movie, and yes. there's some things. I mean, the fact that she's like a a wealthy, beautiful blonde woman. I was just like, you know what? You're gonna be the first person I devour when we eat the rich. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you're just sort of like, look at you, you spoiled bitch. <laughs> it's one that's a little difficult to watch in that. Like, you have to put that aside when you watch it. Yeah, kind of. Because, yeah, this movie definitely sort of takes advantage of that. And you and I, I almost want to say this is one of those movies that, like, people held up as saying, like, this is what's wrong with kids today when it came out. <laughs> because, like, like every, you know. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. As if. Who cares? I definitely, as I was watching this, I made notes of all of her outfits i would still wear just about everything she wears in this movie okay so amazing so you're saying this movie hasn't aged a day and i wouldn't go that far (laughs) there's definitely some liberal use of the r word oh yeah yeah there's some definite uh i guess uh sore spots in this film but one one of the they're really just really just very, very 90s. And we'll, we'll talk about those, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a little bit of a time capsule. It, but it, It's a product of its time. Yeah, but, but a, a, in a very soft sort of way. Yeah. I mean, one of the, it's one a of soft, the, you're the asshole. One of the first notes I took on this was that like, a, as timely as some parts of this still feel, it also just feels like it was written in a completely different language. 
Yeah. Because a lot of the 90s slang, they hit it really hard. And it's, you know, even a year or two out from, from 95, it made, it, you know, it made no sense. Yeah. It's, and it's kind just... of foreign, which I like. They really created a lexicon for this film. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So. Um, but let's dive in. Let's dive in, shall we? So first things first, let's do billboarding school. Oh, I bet there's tons. There's... Honestly, this was not as big a hit on the charts as I thought it would be. Really? Yeah. Because this was one, I remember wanting to buy this soundtrack, uh, mostly for the song Supermodel, which still slaps. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I feel like everyone I knew had this. Actually, my friend Mackenzie Cassidy um, on Twitter pointed out that he had this CD. Oh, wow. So, which I would not have expected from Mackenzie Cassidy. But there you have it. Yep. So I feel like I knew a lot of people who had this. So please, please go on. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was a modest hit, I guess, for the, in the movie and the soundtrack. So the soundtrack hit the charts August 5th, 1995. The number one album that week was Dreaming of You by Selena. Okay. And the top yeah. soundtrack, number five, was Pocahontas. Mm. Whatever. Uh, but Clueless debuted at number 105, lasted 11 weeks on the charts, peaked at number okay. 49. So eh, not bad. Pretty good hit. Yeah. The week it fell off the charts, though, number one album in America was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Okay. we. It, it's funny because that signals such a huge shift as far as the tone of the film, but not necessarily the tone of the soundtrack. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. And then the top soundtrack was, uh, at number two, was the soundtrack to Dangerous Minds, which uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Yes, indeed. Because, so, uh, believe it or not, uh, 95 was also the year that Coolio was having a big moment. He was, and, and he's uh, featured throughout this film. Yes. It's a real uh, sort of point for one of the characters. Absolutely, yeah. So, And then the movie itself um, grossed $56 million on a $12 million budget. So it's kind of a modest hit. Uh, enough of a hit that it spun off like a TV series that ran for three whole seasons. Yes, and... Um, a book series. Yep, yep. And they were thinking about rebooting it recently um, with Stacey Dash, who is desperately trying to redeem herself. Oh, I'll bet. And it followed uh, Dion after Cher disappears. It's like, we don't need a gritty reboot of Clueless. Thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. So wait, they're remaking Clueless, but it's just that show's search party. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass. And also, of course, because of course they did, they turned it into a Broadway musical and it no. last and it ran for what, a month, I think. Ooh. It did ouch. not last long at all. No. Again, not everything has to be a franchise. I like the idea of the book series though. That's cute. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like that's especially with things like Gossip Girl, like there's room for that kind of thing. Yes. So But I don't I don't know if we need a a reboot. Probably not. Definitely not. I'm just going to say it right here. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, and not that. with Stacey Dash. No. She's a terrible person. Mm -mm. And it seems like every day more, more and more of these uh, Hollywood celebrities are, are revealing themselves to be absolute pieces of shit. Like yeah. fucking Rob Schneider today. Like we knew it, but now he just kind of confirmed it. So that guy. That guy. Uh, luckily, we'll probably never do anything with Rob Schneider in it. Well, okay. There goes the animal. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and of course, it should be said, rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. Yes. Who I love so much in this film and love so much in real life. I cried when she died. Yeah. I, I remember like being in my kitchen crying. I didn't cry, but I heard I, I heard that and I was kind of shocked. 
I was devastated because I just have always loved her. I, I loved her here. I loved her in Sin City. I love her in everything. I, she's just perfection. Also, I mean, she, in this movie, she kind of looks like my friend Corey. I mean, if, if there's any one thing you need to know about me, I'm a huge King of the Hill fan, and she's like a huge part of that yeah. show. Yeah. And it's, it's this is the only film, I think, that features both actors that voice Joseph Gribble in one movie. Really? Because Brittany Murphy and Brecken Meyer both voice Joseph Gribble at different ages. <laughs> That's really funny. I forgot Brecken Meyer was in this. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Yeah, but uh, when Brecken All Star Meyer, <laughs> Brecken Garfield Meyer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, let's jump into the soundtrack. Like, yes, indeed. Head, head the movie, first. Movie sure does. Yeah, head first with the first song on the soundtrack. It's uh, the Muffs covering Kim Wilde's "Kids in America." Let's go to a clip. like this more than the original i think i do too i really because i feel like kim shaddock's sneer just like elevates the song's sarcasm Mm -hmm. and i feel like it takes it to a place that kim wilde couldn't reach and it really sets the mood for the entire rest of the movie too yeah and the rest of the soundtrack especially you know women rockers were having such a moment and that moment was only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and obviously the fact that uh jagged little pill had hit number one when this fell off the charts. Yeah. Proves that. And so, like, Clueless was just slightly ahead of its time in capital, like, in capitalizing on that. And especially because the film itself is so bubblegum. And you don't really picture Cher listening to, like, Luscious Jackson. Or or really 90% of the artists on the soundtrack. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, that I think sort of sets the soundtrack a little bit apart from the movie. Um, but I really, I really, really like this version mm-hmm. a lot. And I think it's, to me, this this is kind of the definitive version. Sorry, Kim. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think just like the kind of slightly sneering quality to it is is what elevates it. Especially mm-hmm. when you you take it as part of the film where you're not sure if the film is is uh, like lampooning these kids if they if they must exist whether or not whether or not they exist if this song is criticizing them or if it's just kind of being very tongue in cheek about it. Yeah, and especially because this is over this montage of them just like being whimsical and good looking and mm-hmm. mostly white. Um, and then you've got this this marvelous sarcastic sneer yeah it's Uh, almost like the film is saying like look these are the kids in america look at them yes look at these beautiful blonde leggy teens Mm -hmm. um kim shattuck actually died in 2019 from complications of als oh god age 56 damn i know i hate that so i I gotta say my favorite detail in in this song is the lyric uh from new york city to east california because as I understand it, this was written by British people, and they don't really have a great grasp of uh, what's in East California. No. <laughs> because, yeah, that's the, basically the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hmm. 
Maybe they meant to say East LA. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> but yes, uh, following this, we meet our heroine, mm-hmm. Cher, played by Alicia Silverstone, previously of um, Aerosmith videos. Yes. that vi- The video for Crazy plays all the time on the Vivo channel. Does it really? It plays all the fucking time. Starring uh, our Empire Records star, Liv Tyler. Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Stripping for her dad's video, which is gross. Why not? It was the 90s. Yeah. Um, And it shows Cher doing what I wish I could do, which is using her computer to pick out her outfits. And the fact that there is not a clueless app designed around Cher's closet <laughs> to help you pick out your outfits is frankly a travesty. As far as I know, th- there are like, you know, toy apps for kids that you let you do that, but not for adults with actual like wardrobes. And there are there are some apps that allow you to sort of curate your closet like that, but not ones that match your clothes for you mm-hmm. and like show you what it would look like on you. And someone needs to get on that. Yeah, I mean... They... There's no reason we can't have that technology today. Yeah, we could visualize that in 1995, but uh, 25 years later, come on. I know, we come need on. it. We deserve it. And, um, and also the fact that like this is underscored by David Bowie's fashion is just like a chef's kiss. Like, that's perfect. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and it actually then jumps into uh, No Doubt's Just a Girl, mm-hmm. because, which is not on the soundtrack. But apparently every 90s movie had to have it. We last heard this song uh, as the intro on Rami and Michelle's high school reunion. Yes. Uh, so for our thoughts on No Doubt's Just a Girl, you can see that episode. It's also not actually on the soundtrack. Yeah. Wikipedia says it is. Wikipedia is a dirty liar. Yes. It does not actually appear. On maybe, the I c- maybe I could just change that. You know, that's kind of the power of Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. We should. We should go in and manipulate it. Um, and she's wearing this sort of like yellow plaid ensemble mm-hmm. which i would kill for <laughs> i would kill i'd wear it right now and i think forever 21 did have it and i almost bought it except that it looked really cheap and the material was unpleasant but it's so cute <laughs> so um and we also meet dion uh yep stacy dash yes i um, we meet her boyfriend, Murray, who is gross and terrible. Um, There's also uh, Donald Faison, like one of his very yes. first roles. I, yes. I could not stop calling him Turk because, of course. <laughs> um, and she does point out, because all the high school boys are hitting on her because, of course, she's perfect and leggy and beautiful and popular and rich. Um, she does point out the high school boys are gross, and they are. Mm-hmm. I never dated a high school boy. Neither have I. high school boys are... <laughs> but you were one. Well, that's, hey, that's no reason. <laughs> were you gross? No. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, you probably were. No offense. It's just high school boys <laughs> like, No, let, let's be honest. Yeah, I probably was. <laughs> yeah, you're probably gross. <laughs> um, and then we get to see Wallace Shawn. The great. As Mr. Hall. The great Wallace Shawn. I love him. Was one of as far from what I remember of the Clueless show, like one of the many cast members who returned for the show was Wallace Shawn. Good. Yeah. He's a national treasure. Um now 
her pronunciation of Hadians. <laughs> Elisa Silverstone actually couldn't pronounce Haitians. So Amy Heckerling left it in. That's too perfect. It's amazing. It's great. Okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Thank you very much. I agree with her point. Yeah. Share for president. Share for president. Like there's so many little moments in this film where Cher says something and I I just had to look over at Nikki and go, she's not wrong. Yeah. You know, she's. Need I, I remind you, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty big statement. <laughs> yeah, and it's one, I think, that maybe uh, our current president might want to think about. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, this, this film is pretty episodic. Yeah. And so the first sort of episode we have is that um, she gets a C in debate, and I can't really imagine why. Gee whiz, yeah, no way. I know, just because she's a total dum-dum. And it turns out that uh, Dion also didn't do well in debate. Um, And we see that they both have cellular telephones, because, again, they're wealthy. Of course, yeah, that's how you knew rich kids were rich in the 90s, because they had cellular telephones. Yes, we also learned that her mom died during routine liposuction, which is horrifying. Yeah, that's... and there's like a giant like mural of her mom in the house. It's creepy. Yeah, and you, it's played off like very light, but that's a really upsetting detail. It is like they could have just they could have just glossed over that, but no, that's a, that seems to be important. Yeah, just but like died during routine liposuction. Like Jesus Christ. But so that I mean that that kind of sets up the family dynamic for the Horowitz clan because you get her her dad and her ex stepbrother i guess yeah josh played by paul rudd looking older than he has ever looked played by life's actual benjamin button paul rudd (laughs) (laughs) who we first see in the film underscored by uh fake plastic trees by radiohead oh let's go to a clip Girls in the eighties, the gravity always wins. God, this is such a Josh song because he's like a mopey college student. Mm-hmm. Now I cannot figure out if this is too on the nose or like like perfectly clever to include this song. It's timely, just as far as, you know, th- those are the kind of boys that listen to Radiohead. Right. Um, it's it's almost, it is, it's almost too perfect. Um, it makes a lot of sense for Josh, 
And I have to admit, I mean, there's a time and a place for Radiohead for me, and this is not it. There's I just, I don't, I don't love this. There's a time and a place for Radiohead, and it's called College. Yeah, I just, this one doesn't land for me as far as Radiohead songs go, but God, in 1995, I would have absolutely been in love with a Radiohead dude. <laughs> I really would have. That just... Josh is exactly what I thought I would have liked to have dated. He's like deep. He's just this guy, you know? He has thoughts. He's so, he's so smart and deep and like worldly. He watches the news. <laughs> but I, no, I really think like this song is it's basically about what the movie's about is how everything in Clueless is just fake plastic trees. Yeah. But I and I know that they put this in here because it's like the Josh theme song, but also like it's basically the the metaphor for the whole movie yeah so I, so I i appreciate it and the version they put on the soundtrack is the acoustic version of just just tom york and a guitar yeah and i think again it's sort of that coffee house vibe that we're supposed to get off josh yeah like i'm not so a radiohead guy but this one i'm i'm fine with this one no this one doesn't land for me mm. nope agree to disagree and oh, that's fair on. But Cher has that great line when she sees Paul Rudd and I and, or sees Josh and I assume hears the song playing and she just says, "What is it about college and crybabies?" <laughs> it's true. It really it's is. True. I do love some crybaby rock. But then, like, there's there's a great moment early on when um, we find out that he Josh is coming and Cher has this um, like moment with her dad where she's like, "Why does he have to hang around here?" And her dad's like, "You you divorce wives, not children." Yeah, which makes the uh, conclusion of this film a little creepy. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yes, I'm not going yeah. to say that's not true. Yeah, I think all, so. I, all all I took from that was like, oh, he's a good dad. Yes, <laughs> not that not that it comes like, into play at all. No, um, he's he tries. He's a he's a good rich person dad, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's not as, outwardly neglectful. As, as far as like trial attorneys go, sure. Yeah. So the next day at school, uh, Cher has to make up some stories in order to get Mr. Hall to excuse her her tardiness. And in this scene, in the scene prior, we hear uh, "Shake Some Action" by uh, Cracker. So let's go to a clip of that. loved cracker and i know they you know they had the hit with um with low but mm -hmm, yeah. if you haven't listened to all of kerosene hat highly 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 recommend it they're it's they're good and they're they're in this weird sort of nebulous space between i think what we'd now call like americana or alt country Mm -hmm. um they were sort of at the the top of that but they're funny and they're wry and they're weird they've got a great song called mr wrong um they can also be very 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 tender this one i feel like is it's a solid b-side for them it's an, a good representation of their sound it's not the best it's sort of entry level i like the guitar line a lot 
Um, but the vocals feel like they belong to a different song. It's a weird sort of combination of like Heartland Rock and Jingle Pop going on together. Yeah. And, and it, I'm, I don't know that it works necessarily. No. It's fine. Yeah. And I feel like guitar wise, it's a good representation of their sound. Again, mm-hmm. that sort of yeah. Jingle Pop. I think the vocals are a little too raspy. Right. So. I know this is a cover too. Of yes. A- song by, uh, by the band the flaming groovies mm-hmm. which i listened to for this and I, I i think i like that one more just because it has a little bit more of like a new wave kind of sound to yeah it. they just it they, works better they don't quite nail it and this there's a bunch of covers on this album and including obviously uh kids in america a bunch of the 80s covers and i'm not really sure why because kids in america is the only good one yeah, kind of. Uh, it's a little. It was a weird choice. So, and again, you know, yeah. sort of tagging on with Rami Michelle, they decided to just go with the eighties. They didn't do the covers. Wedding Singer did the same thing. Here, they're they're trying to do, I guess, sort of the the. I don't. They're not quite ironic covers. Yeah, not quite. Even even but, kids in America. Like I don't. I wouldn't say it's ironic. It's just edgier yeah and it it, they don't land the other two do not land no the ones that are coming up really don't (laughs) oh boy so but this one if you listen to this one and you like any piece of it and you haven't listened to any of cracker's other songs really do yourself a favor pick up a copy of kerosene hat you can get it for about two cents on amazon it did get a vinyl reissue. Actually, this album also got a vinyl reissue. Um, we had uh, we somebody uh, post their signed copy. Oh, nice! Yes, very excited about that. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, yes. Indeed. Like this is this is definitely an album. I would say warrants like a vinyl reissue. I might pick yeah. this one up. Yeah, if you can find it, absolutely. Let's well, m- moving on a little bit. We get we get uh, Cher and Dion hanging out at the mall. And God, remember malls? Oh, God. Uh, we stopped by the mall in Binghamton a little while ago, and it was super depressing. Really? It was every single uh, like flagship store, Bonton, Macy's, Sears, all gone. Everything's gone. God. It's, it we was went, creepy. We went to a mall in Myrtle Beach over, over the weekend. And there is a movie theater and a food court and an arcade and one department store. And that's it. Everything else is like a dead storefront. That's arcades that were coming back. Like, cause they put a, an arcade in the old express in the Oakdale mall. Nice. Yeah. Which is yeah, cool. But like, it's, it's, it's weird and eerie. Yeah, because it's it, it it I mean you you have to put them in these spaces that are just empty mm-hmm. and like the four or five people you see in these malls now they're only here for one of one or two things and if they're not here for the arcade what the hell are they doing here you know yeah. it's so. just the vibe is in 2020 is much different than it was in in 1995. You mean 2021? Sure. Yeah, I know, but just generally speaking. God, uh, malls were even deader a year ago. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's like whimsical to see like, oh, look, they're shopping at a mall. Mm-hmm. So. Or like not even, not even at a mall. It's just, oh, look, they're shopping. Like, yeah. Okay. They're not online. 
<laughs> I, and I'm, I'm sure in 95, like, that wasn't even a consideration. Like, oh, let's show them at the mall. No, no, let's just show them doing the things that they do. Go shopping. Yes. Um, and they figure out that they need to make Mr. Hall happy so that he'll raise their grades. And they decide mm-hmm. to hook him up with Miss Geist. So, who, who is, is yeah messy, uh, but cute. Eh, she's all right. I mean, they're made for each other, honestly. Yeah. So, um, so they set this plan in motion to hook them up. It's very sweet. Yeah, I, it's weird. I don't know, like, how deep we want to go into each little part. Like, do we want to get about her license band, or do we want? To really well, no, just... but I mean, th- it, that that montage of them like playing matchmaker sets up the next song on the soundtrack. Okay, which so... is uh, "Change" by the Lightning Seeds. Yes. Uh, so let's go to a clip of that. A whisper to the wise And thank your lucky stars For coming out tonight Don't you fuck down the drive Oh, you're a silly thing Don't you fuck down the drive It's funny. This soundtrack came out when I was in middle school. And... Everything on it reminds me of all the music I listened to in college and after college. So mm. I had like 1995 in 2005. Oh, wow. Yeah. A little bit late. Um, but because the Lightning Seeds, they had a song called Pure that my friend Michael put on a mix for me when I moved to New York. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I had their album, uh, Cuckoo Cloudland, mm-hmm. uh, which also has um, uh, Don't Let Go, which is another amazing song. So getting to hear this and getting to spend some time with it um, was a lot of fun. I really, really liked this song because the Lightning Seeds, actually, they still tour. I follow them on Instagram. I'd love to see them. Oh, nice! Yeah, but um, yeah, this is another one of my favorites too. Yeah, like, I, I think I don't know. I I think I'm the older I get, the more I realize like I really do like Britpop, don't I? Yeah, and this is a much lighter <laughs> Britpop. It's sort of like if Oasis took Ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, they're much happier. <laughs> um, and the video and- looks like a lot of fun. Like they're just on this like crazy date, and they're like riding in shopping carts, and it's it's like the video for 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins, only fun and not depressing. Yeah, only fun, and if if uh, Billy Corgan had taken some speed. Yeah, it's just like, look at the whimsical fun we can have. We're young, and we're just going to, you know, yep. be crazy. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it and not be sad that it's ending. Yes, exactly. Because even, even though that's very much what the song is about, is that these things things have to change, but you don't have to let them, you know, ruin you. Yes. So. Which, which you know, combined with like, like uh, fake plastic trees, and uh, some of the other songs on this album, like, really paint a picture of kind of the mood of Clueless. Like, it's, this is a very brief moment in these people's lives, and they are going to change, but whether or not that changes them personally is up to them. Mm-hmm. So I think in that way, I think this is another perfect, like, song choice, and it's kind of the soundtrack sort of critiquing the film as it goes along. Yes, which is really kind of a marvelous hat trick they pull. Oh, definitely. So, and I mean, it, it 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 speaks to just the power of a good soundtrack and the fact that we haven't even talked about the director, Amy Heckerling. Like she picked out a lot of these songs herself mm-hmm. because you know she's got that 
not only that that background, but also just that filmic background. I mean, with Fast Times at Richmond High, that's huge for yeah, you know, she, film, comedy, and music and all that. But here again, she just kind of nails it. Yeah, she knows what she is trying to say, both in the film and on the soundtrack. And she recognizes that a soundtrack is a, a continuum of the film. It's not just background music. It's a piece of the movie. And I think that's why we see so much of the music in these montages. Mm-hmm. Because um, this movie is extremely montage heavy. Yes, but every montage like has a purpose and it, it mm-hmm. really they work to, you know, the, the broaden the themes of the film. Yes. So everything has its place. And it also has, again, that like that music video feel. Mm hmm. So um, it's funny because when they see uh, Ms. Geist and Mr. Hall sitting together, one of them remarks that their legs are crossed towards each other. Which is a sex invite. Do you remember that? I've Yeah, I had never heard that before. Okay, because I remember that being told, like, if you cross your legs towards a boy, that means you wanted to have sex with him. And so I was very conscientious of this. Like, when I'd go on dates, the few times I was invited on dates, I, like, share. It was a, shall we say, late bloomer mm-hmm. um, in that department. And I thought about that all the damn time. And I probably didn't, no. I probably stopped thinking about that probably after I got married. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but like, is that a thing? Does anybody else remember that? Did- that, yes, like that must have been something that Cher had picked up in like an etiquette book that somebody gave her at some point. Yeah, I just, I remember being told that like by other people, like that was, you know, you had, like, if you did that, it was a sex thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, goodness. Well, I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea because I plan on remaining factory intact. Saving myself for, I don't know, Jeff Goldblum, probably. I've, I've never heard it put that way before. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we briefly hear uh, girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. In the background, there's more plaid. Um, she gets them together, obviously, and everyone thanks her because their grades are improved. And she has this great plaid jacket shirt combo. And I had one sort of similar. It was more of the style of the earlier yellow plaid, short jacket, plaid skirt. And I'm wearing it in one of my high school yearbook photos. And if if I could find that jacket again, I would die. I look for it all the time in my heart. Oh, that's I think shame. it was from the Deb at the Penn Square in Oklahoma City. And I bought it inspired by Clueless. And I think about it all the time. It's like the one that got away. I think my sister Hillary called me like a poser, so I got rid of it. But. Aww. I know. My sister Hillary was so mean. My sisters were really mean to me. Um, but alas, wherever you are, plaid jacket. <laughs> plaid, Cher Horowitz inspired jacket and skirt combo. I miss you. I think of you all the time. R.I.P. R.I.P. So, <laughs> but yeah, in this, uh, in this uh, next, the next scene, it's PA class, and they're they're playing. Girls just want to have fun, and also all the girls are lined up for uh, uh, tennis lessons, and the the PE coach is played by Julie Brown. Yes, from Earth Girls Are Easy. Who I I didn't realize it was Julie Brown until the credits because I was like I know who that is. She looks familiar. I made a note. She makes a face at some point. And I'm like, that's Julie Brown. That's gotta be. And then I saw her in the crowd. I was like, yay, Julie Brown. 
I think I just naturally assumed it was somebody else until I saw the name in the credits. Well, it's weird to see her, like, not in her 80s outfits, like, her frilly skirts. and Because she's got such a, a definitive look in Earth yeah. Girls Are Easy and on the cover of Goddess in Progress. And then, so to see her, like, in a sweatsuit, you're just like, you're just dressed way down, yeah. <laughs> like, if she had had the red hair, like, I would I would have noticed it immediately. But mm-hmm. nope, not even that. But then here's this is where we meet our, uh, I guess, third main character, uh, a transfer student, Ty, played by Brittany Murphy. The late, great Brittany. The late, great Brittany Murphy. My Brittany. Mm. Um, I just got in this viewing that when she says, you guys got Coke here, she is not talking about the soda. Oh, but they think she is. Yes. Because she talks (laughs) about like an herbal refreshment and they say tea. And I also just got that, like, oh, she meant weed. Yeah. I was so dense. And it, it's like, it's the first, like, sign in the film that they're just as sheltered as anyone else. Is. Yeah. Because um, she's, you know, she shows up, like, in her flannel and her trolls t-shirt, and she's so cute. Um, like, straight off the farm. Yeah. Um, and just, I, I'm guessing Brooklyn. Because she's got. Maybe. She's got a kind of an accent. Yeah, she's got an East Coast accent. Um, and in the next scene, as, as Cher and Dion are sort of walking Ty around, um, Cher is wearing an adorable A-line dress. I had so many of those. This was such a walk down memory lane for me, clothes-wise. Because, like, for as much of a goth girl as I was, I was also a girl in, you know, the mid-1990s. And you just couldn't escape it. Like, yeah, my A-line was black with a dragon on it another piece that i wish i still had but oh my god like i had so many a-line dresses they're super cute and i'd wear them right now mm-hmm. r.i.p black sure dragon the dragon was made of glitter it was a chinese dragon it was made of glitter it got glitter everywhere i wore it all the time with knee-high <laughs> platform boots you and i had very different high school experience <laughs> we really did i had clothes because i didn't have friends I'm <laughs> boy that's also true okay never mind maybe we didn't <laughs> um no that's actually one of the things with this film and with most high school films that feels very foreign to me like this is like it's like watching a documentary i'm just like is that what other people's high school was like is that no because friends? that's 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 specifically what like the Beverly Hills High School was like, and no, literally nowhere else on the planet. But just like the experience of like not hating high school, like is oh. it's very foreign to me. Oh, that. Oh, definitely. Not yes. wishing you were dead every minute. So, well, it, Clueless would have been a very different film if Cher was bitter and if Cher had been Daria, basically. Yeah, but even now I watch Daria and I'm like, get over it. Mm-hmm. Grow up. So I, I have not yet found a healthy medium. <laughs> then um, you watch Clueless and you're like, gee, it must be nice. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> Blonde, you're leggy and beautiful. Your skin is clear. <sighs> so. But hey, let's talk about Ty and Travis. Oh, Ty and Travis. Ty can draw Marvin the Martian. She can. <laughs> it, would, it would be great on a skateboard. It would be great on a skateboard. It really would. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about Travis. So Travis, uh, played by the extremely doofy uh, uh, Breckenmeyer, is just, he's like your typical sort of skateboarder, 
uh, bro dude. But stoner. he has this stoner guy, yeah. But he has this very sort of easygoing, like carefree attitude about him. Like to the to the point where like there's there's really no way you can hate this guy, right? I mean, except in as much as like, oh yeah, he's a skateboard douchebag. The, Whatever. The film will not let us hate him. The film will not let us hate him because he's just so nice. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cher is not going to allow that. But yeah, Cher will have none of this. So Cher decides that she needs to set Ty up with uh, a a uh, a more upstanding, uh, appropriate high school boy. Yes. So they decide to give her a makeover. Yes. Uh, but this is where we get the song Supermodel by Joel Sabiel. So hey, let's uh, go to a clip. <laughs> Wish that I was like Tori Spelling With a car like hers and a dad like hers And I would show them how, how it was done That'd be fun, that'd be fun And I write my school report Oh, why I love my jeans Oh, why I love my jeans Wow, so everything I said about the last few songs, this just kind of kicks it into overdrive, doesn't it? Yes, holy shit. This is <laughs> The video is clueless by way of Carrie. Yes, and it's, frankly, it's wonderful. It's amazing, and I love I this song because it. it's so mean and so like sarcastic, and it's all mm-hmm. about, like, I'm going to give myself an eating disorder, and everyone's going to like me. It's mean. I didn't eat. To, I didn't eat yesterday. I'm not going to eat today. I won't eat tomorrow. Yeah, because I'm going to be a supermodel. Oh, yeah. Um. And but it's played during this very very upbeat scene. So like you sort of wonder like, does Amy Heckerling hate her her characters in her film? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this movie is supposed to be a little a little darker than it it actually is. Yeah. I don't know. So because this is a very you know a fun scene, and they're you know giving her belly shirts and because mm-hmm. it's, it's not like at the end of the movie they realize like oh we can't be beautiful and fun anymore which is fine because i think you could be beautiful and smart case in point me but i mm-hmm. uh, so this song this song almost seems like too mean for this film i love it don't get me wrong i love this song and she uh later was a contemporary of warren zevon's they used to play together a lot um and she covers I can't remember what song. Might be Don't Let Us Get Sick on a tribute album to him. Okay. But yeah, she's legit. Um, she also allegedly told Katy Perry to go fuck herself and then had to walk it back, which I'm like, don't do that. Uh, good Katy for her, Perry really no. can go fuck herself. Oh, yeah, definitely. For Katy- so many reasons. Yeah. But yeah, this song is fucking dark as shit. It, it comes from like, yeah, a different, a way different version of Clueless. Yes. That I don't think would have been as well remembered, honestly. Like I think I like this. I like that it's so dark and, and mean, but also it almost doesn't exist in the same world as the rest of these songs. Yeah, this sort of feels what it feels like is what one of Josh's college girls would think of if she was looking at Cher and company. You know what? There you go. That's that's a pretty good call. And so while I appreciate it and what it's saying, I just with with how we're supposed to feel about these characters, I think it's a little harsh. It's way harsh, Joe. I'm not going to say it's, it's harsh in my uh, vibe because I enjoy it, but yes. I can see how it would harsh someone else. Yeah, it, it's narratively 
a little narratively cruel. yes it's it's too much yeah so it's just like i said it it the soundtrack is a much darker version of the film as you said yeah but also i think that's a there's there's probably a good reason why this is the last song on the soundtrack because mm-hmm. uh yeah hope they're maybe they're hoping by this time you won't notice mm-hmm. uh supermodel quite so much yes um so and they keep i know they're saying like oh travis is lame but leave britney alone okay leave britney alone <laughs> sure that goes for all britney's mm-hmm. but, but but specifically this one yes so um and then we actually hop to a photo montage as they're trying to set her up with elton jeremy sisto Ugh. jesus himself he played jesus in a tv movie one time yeah <laughs> <laughs> who like when i first saw this movie i only knew Jeremy Sisto from six feet under i'm like that's that asshole from six feet under <laughs> yeah, he plays an asshole here but this is set to uh this montage as she's taking photos and trying to set them up uh, it's set to uh, Supergrass is all right. Let's go to a clip, all right? Before we started recording, Joe and I were both trying to figure out where we had heard this song before because we weren't sure if we had already covered it. Because it sounds like so many other songs. It's forgettable, but catchy. Yeah, like as soon as you hear it, you go, I've heard that hook before. But you don't know where from. No. And I I recognize that I'd heard it in Pirate's Band of Misfits. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I must have heard it on some commercial selling something before. Like, yes. It, like deodorant or some kind of soft drink or something. Yes. It doesn't feel like a real song. Like it feels like I know it's supposed to be in like the style of, you know, the monkeys and other, mm-hmm. you know, like 70s songs. Specifically. Yeah. Like I I honestly assumed it was a lot, a lot older than it was. Yeah. And but it just feels like a jingle. Yeah. It's kind of obnoxious. It feels like it, it should it, be in a Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> kind of. You know, like, but I, I, again, that's, I mean, maybe there's a good reason why this was Supergrass's, like, biggest hit. Because it's just so obnoxious and, and uh, impossible to ignore. Yeah. It, I don't know. No thanks. But but again, it's this song, once again, is a perfect metaphor for the movie. Because it is carefree and upbeat, almost to a fault. Like, mm-hmm. to the point where it's kind of unbearable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Again, uh, montage. Montage, yep. So. And my favorite note about this song, which I you know pulled from Wikipedia, because why not, is that based solely on the strength of the video, Steven Spielberg approached the band about creating a monkeys-esque TV show, and they just said, yeah, no thanks. Amazing. Yeah, the, vi- yeah. the video is pretty cute. The vi- yeah, the video is cute, and like, yeah, you can definitely see, like, oh, yeah, Steve- someone would want to do monkeys with this. Yes. But no, no thank you. I, that's that's amazing that they're just like, no thanks, Steven Spielberg. We're not going to take your pile of money. Yeah. Thanks they, a lot. They won't play this song anymore. I can see why. Yeah, they're just like, nah, this isn't us. It's like, uh, sucks to be you. 
Yeah, um, we don't like it either. I wouldn't want to hear you guys play it. So, Supergrass is one of those bands that I also feel like isn't real. I think because of my head, I confused them with Supertramp. Yeah, yeah. I think I can, I think I think that too a lot. And then you like you see the video and you look at the lead singer and go, "That's not a real person. That's a wolf man." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but then this this sort of. Uh, sets up the next whole sequence of the film where uh, all, all the kids go out to a party in the valley. Yes. And um, she's wearing a dress with a, like a ton, like a like feather boa trim. And I wore a ton mm-hmm. of feathers. Again, I don't think I've fully processed until I watched this movie, like the influence this film had on me as far as fashion. <laughs> so, cause I didn't wear designers, but I made a lot of my own clothes and like assembled a lot of things from Salvation Army. And yet there I am with, you know, feather jackets. So mm-hmm. um, I never went to parties though. And no, this... I was never a party. I was never a party kid. Yeah. This party sequence does not make them look fun. They look disgusting. Like, yeah, I, all I can think of is like, you're, you're just ruining that person's house. Yeah, they just look gross and full of gross people and people like throwing up in the pool. And it's just like, why would anyone want to go to this? Yeah, I know. Why do like, why are we so like waxing nostalgic about high school parties? Even when I was a high schooler, I didn't want to go to parties. They just seem gross. Yeah, I don't want to play suck and blow with some dude. <laughs> That's disgusting. Yeah. I, um, I do want to point out there's a, a great little bit in here that I know is like a direct reference to Emma. Where uh, Murray shaves his head and Dion freaks out about it, and in Emma, there's a like there's a whole section where uh, one of the characters goes travels to London for a haircut, and Emma makes fun of him for it because that's ridiculous. That's funny. I didn't pick <laughs> up on that. Um, and there's a lot of white people dancing to Coolio's "Rolling with the Homies." Oh yes. Because Coolio, like we said, is having a big moment in 95. Yeah. And, well, let's go to a clip. Yeah. actually really like this song yeah i'm into this i hadn't paid attention to it earlier and as i was listening to it for this i thought this is really good i really dig this yeah like if all you know of coolio is uh gangster's paradise like this is this is not as dark as that no it's smooth. it's just a fun a fun tune yeah yeah it's really it's lightweight time. i really 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 dig it so i'm uh, someone hits Ty, what, with a shoe? I think, I think it was a shoe, yeah. Flying across the room, and he's trying to, like, coordinate, see if she's, you know, got a concussion, so he asks her to do Rolling with the Homies, and it becomes their song, mm-hmm. which is cute. So, but <laughs> alas, Elton, who looks like a young Eric Bogosian, which does not work against him. I think Eric Bogosian is a babe. Um, he wants Cher, not Ty. Yeah, they're tr- everyone's leaving, and Cher's trying to push Ty into his car, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no." Yeah, Cher, come with me. Which I guess is like way to not send your friend off to get molested the way you do, but yeah, because yeah. it turns out Elton 
is a creep. Mm-hmm. He's gross. And because high school boys are gross, as we established. Mm-hmm. And he really comes on hard and does not want to take no for an answer and then leaves her in the parking lot of a liquor store. Where she immediately gets mugged and, you know, stranded in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Yes. Poor Cher. Poor Cher. One last note about Elton. He's kind of the 90s Michael Sarah. Yeah. He's got that Michael Sarah face. He kind of does, yeah. Like, handsome, like, handsome, but also punchable. And also kind of quiet, so you're like, okay, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. What's this guy's deal? Yeah, why is he like this? <laughs> why are you like this? <laughs> a question you ask me a lot. Yeah, you get that all the time. So, and you still haven't answered, frankly. Uh, maybe that's just something about me. I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, Cher has to call the one person she knows will come pick her up, and that's Josh. Oh, Josh, no. <laughs> to be fair, who among us wouldn't call Paul Rudd to pick us up? Guilty. Yeah. I saw him once at the airport. Really? Yeah, he was in line ahead of me at um, one of the New York airports. LaGuardia, I think. He had a pillow under his arm. He looked so cute, even though it was like six o'clock in the morning. I didn't dare approach him, obviously. I'm not going to like mm-hmm. approach him. But I was sort of like, that's Paul Rudd. He's beautiful. You let that man have his beauty sleep. Oh, he doesn't need it. He's beautiful as he is. <laughs> there he is, Paul Rudd. We were not on the same flight. Oh. So, because if I, I would have sent him over a mimosa. Yeah, of course. So I'm not rude. Um, but he comes to pick her up and to the tune of uh, The Counting Crows, The Ghost in You. Ugh, do we have to play this We one? do. It's a cover of the Psychedelic First song. Let's just get it out of the way. God. You can't get it away inside you time This is truly execrable. This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah, this is this is a frankly a crime. This is the kind of crimes that we you normally pin on Smash Mouth. It is. <laughs> so like Adam Duritz, why are you so sad all the time? Yeah, because he's in college, I guess. Um, his constipated vocals have their place, but it is not here. Mm-mm. And the Ghost in You is such a beautiful love song. And he just didn't get that memo. He's such a wiener. Yeah, right he here. sounds like someone's constantly like pulling on his dreadlocks. <laughs> He's a depressed pineapple. Oh, stop. <laughs> you know, like, why are you whining? This song is lovely. That line know. on I'm in a mood for you or running away just like oh, always gets me. But not this version. This no. version makes me want to die. It's like this, literally the only note I wrote about this song was, "Oh my God, let the torture stop!" Fuck you, yeah, Adam. Oh my Durant. God, it really is just a nightmare of a song. So, um, Josh's college girlfriend misquotes Hamlet, mm-hmm. and Cher calls her out on it. Yeah, she says it was Polonius who said, "To thy own self be true." The, but the only reason she knows that is because she she may not know Shakespeare, but she knows her Mel Gibson. Ooh, that's a line that aged like milk. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sure did. <laughs> Mel Gibson wouldn't like you, Cher. Not with a last name like Horowitz. Oh, ouch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mel Gibson's a Nazi. 
Um, <laughs> and she finally has to tell Ty about Elton. And they point out that she deserves better, which she does. Poor mm. Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy just was unlucky in love. She really was. Maybe she, maybe she was lucky in cards. I don't think she was lucky at anything. She just, Brittany Murphy really deserved better. She really did. Poor Brittany. So, um, when Cher said that she was saving herself for Luke Perry, I felt very sad. I felt like a deep sadness. Oh, yeah, that, that aged, well, not aged poorly, but damn, that one cuts now. I know, you're just like, that oh, That one cuts man. deep. And Cher, you don't know. Yeah. What a way it's poor Luke Perry. Uh, maybe if he hooked up with Cher, his life could have gone in a different trajectory. Maybe what we're telling you people is, uh, Kalulis is... <sighs> Kalulis is a minefield of sadness now. It really is! <laughs> it's not supposed to be, damn it. No, it's supposed to be like this fun, kind of campy teen movie, and it just... You know, we're looking at it now as adults. We're just like, oh, we're sad about everything. We're sad about her mom dying, about Luke Perry, about Mel Gibson being an anti-Semite. Like, oh. Well, next next up, here's Smashing Pumpkins from 1979. Let's play the fucking clip. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. I do, I, again, I, I think it's great that she's saving herself. Because that was one of the things, like, teen movies seem to thrive on sex. And she mm-hmm. really doesn't. And that felt good to me. Because I wasn't that excited about sex as a young woman. Like, so to have a character who wasn't just, like, horny all the time, like, that felt comforting to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. It's okay to be yeah, 16 it, and still be a virgin. It's okay to not, yeah. It's course. okay to save yourself for Paul Rudd. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, but, you know, and um, when they're in the restaurant... Ty gets really sad because Rolling with the Homies comes on and that's their song. And I have never felt anything as deeply in my life. I know. Yeah, I know how that feels. (laughs) Because I live so much through music Mm -hmm. and there have been times where I've been at the grocery store and Insensitive by Jan Arden comes on and I am 38 years old. I am married to the love of my life. Everything is great, and somehow, suddenly, I'm back in eighth grade, and Jonathan Meredith has just broken my heart, and I'm mad at myself. Like, why are you still connecting this song to some pimple-faced eighth grader? Why? (laughs) So he liked Star Wars. Big deal. But it's like, those musical connections, what becomes, like, your song. It's just like, there's a reason we haven't done that thing you do on this podcast. That was the movie we saw. That was our rolling with the homies. Mm. That was an extremely white girl thing to say. I apologize to everyone. It's okay. It's okay. You're among friends here. <laughs> but, man. But no, I get it. All I can say is, like, it's uh, it's kind of hard to listen to Tom Petty for me now for the same reason. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, not just, like, a song. The whole thing. <sighs> it's tough. Yeah. I, I have memories. I have feelings, damn it. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, me and Billy Joel. Yeah. So... Oh, um, that's there it is. Okay. That's not all of it. I mean, we've been over my Billy Joel thing many times. Um, that, but that's part of it. Like there, there are some Billy Joel songs. They just make me too sad because they make me think of my ex. Mm-hmm. So, eh. it eh. is what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, but like Ty, I got you, girl. I feel you. Um, but yeah, after Rolling with the Homies comes on, uh, the next song that we hear in the restaurant scene is. Uh, My Forgotten Favorite by Velocity Girl. Let's go to a clip of that one. 
back again is such a marvelous sort of time capsule of everything that was happening in the music scene in 1995 because you've got the um you know kind of some riot girl stuff with uh, mm-hmm. kids in America you've got the sort of last dredges of Coffeehouse Rock with the Counting Crows and Radiohead. Uh, you've got hip hop. You've got the Beastie Boys and Coolio. And here you've got Shoegaze with um, yep. with Velocity Girl. And uh, what a what a fascinating way to build a soundtrack to just cover everything that was going on. And if, so if you listen to this, you have everything that's happening in 1995. Yeah. It it really is kind of like a high school in that sense, isn't it? Like every little scene and subgenre is kind of represented here, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, my issue with shoegaze is that I can never make out a single lyric. <laughs> the the vocals on this one and they're lovely. They're just set so far back in the mix. It's like what's happening here. Like yeah, I, like I hear this, and my first thought is this is obviously montage music because like it's going a little too fast and I can't tell what's going on. Yeah. But then yeah, that's not how they use it. They kind of put it in the background where it belongs. Yeah. But and yeah. I like it, but it I it's just a tad hard to hang on to. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think- it's it's not like a, a a song that I would come back to, but I, I enjoyed it well enough. But uh Yeah. I, I think too, like uh, with a, a film like this, I realized at this point in the soundtrack that like women are conspicuously underrepresented here, and like even just to have this and Supermodel and Kids in America and uh, there was one other one Luxus Jackson. Uh, Luxus Jackson, yes, we'll get to that one in a bit. Like those are uh, like kind of the standouts here, and there, there should have been more of them. I think. I think, but at the same time, they have more women on than most soundtracks we've covered. It's true. I, I guess that's true. I'm, I'm just sort of, I guess, playing the averages and going, there could have been a couple of more, but yeah. what's here is pretty good. Yeah. And again, it covers a really wide variety and that you do have, you know, the sort of rising riot girl scene. And mm-hmm. that uh, no doubt it's just a girl does feature prominently in the film as this, that's true. you know, girls just want to have fun. So even though it's not necessarily represented on the soundtrack, uh, you do have a, a nice swath of women. Actually, yeah, they're yeah. very much a part of the film. And the fact that the, the two main characters are named for female artists. Yes. So, who now do infomercials. Uh, of course. <laughs> so. Yeah. But then we get, um, um, so we get a cover of Mata Hoople's All the Young Dudes by World Party. Let's go to a clip. serviceable cover it's it's not bad it's not as exciting as kids in america but it's not mm-hmm. as terrible as the ghost in you right um uh, it's the sort of thing that makes it much more exciting when you discover the original mm. oh yeah because like this kind of it sort of translates that gra- that glam rock sound but not the, f- the not in the best way fucking fuzzbox man I know. It's back. Know. You know how I feel about it. I don't know why yeah. I'm talking like Owen Wilson, but I am. <laughs> wow. I don't know where that voice came uh, from. 
I mean, I, it's, it's, it's no. making me realize how much I actually appreciate glam rock and not so much the 90s covers of glam rock. No, the 90s covers. I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the 90s covers that's... of glam rock were terrible. Oh, yeah. No. With the and exception, I mean, I, sorry, with the exception of um, Velvet Goldmine, which is great. That's fair. But, like, you know, I, I, I like that the song even you know, like explicitly references T Rex. You know, who we talked about last episode. Yes. Um, and you get you definitely get kind of that David Bowie, you know, flavor because Bowie wrote the song. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's kind of used a, a very on the nose in the film. Yeah, because she's talking kinda, about. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Go on. Where they're, where they're trying to show Ty that there are other there are other guys in the world, and it just it's like a, a line of four dudes walking walking the quad. Uh, all the skater dudes and it just the song all the young dudes like yep there they are yes and she talks about how she doesn't get how all the guys dress right now i don't get Mm -hmm. how all the guys dress ever like throughout all of my years on earth i've never been like yes this is a good era of fashion for men men look good i i don't know all the my only explanation is the especially like guys in in that the guys in that scene in the film they're not trying to impress anybody no. they're just doing their own thing no i really like i mean my husband don't get me wrong my husband looks amazing all the time he's like a sweater guy and i love that like i do love dudes in sweaters but when i just look at men's fashion overall i mean this was 1995 men were wearing jankos yeah all the time this was bad like there there was plaid there was still grunge everything was baggy it was just it was an unpleasant time well, let, hang on. Let's let's uh, tweak that a little bit. Men were not wearing them. Teenage boys were wearing them. That's fair. That's fair. I'm sh- I'm sure the men in 1995 had uh, better fashion sense. They and, had their as, own problems. Yeah, they had their own problems. Like you go watch any episode of Seinfeld and you'll see the problems. Yeah. Oh boy. And then like oh, a couple years later, you start watching the X Files and Mulder's baggy ass suits. Like why? Oh God. <laughs> why? When you look Mulder's... like David Duchovny, why would you dress like that? Why would you I mean, do why it? would you why would you put on the big suit from Stop Making Sense? I don't get it. <laughs> exactly. Give it back to David Byrne. So, but then um, we meet Christian, mm-hmm. who is played by. I don't know. I don't know either. He looks like Rick Astley, though. Um. <laughs> See, I th- I thought they were going for like he looks like Luke Perry, or Jason Priestley, whichever one. Maybe I think he looks. <laughs> Rick Astley. I think it's the really like cinched waist pants. <laughs> he just looks That's, like he's yeah. never gonna run around or desert her. <laughs> because he can't. He literally can't. Yeah. Um. Um. Let me get. Oh, Christian, uh, played by Justin Walker. Okay. Don't think I've ever seen in anything else. He's cute, but um, he's all right. But he shows up for their date in a pork by hat. And uh, I love the dad's comment. Like, you think the death of Sammy Davis Jr. left an opening in the Rat Pack? Oh, my God. I knew so many boys like this. I wanted to date all of them. All of them were horrible. I'm just going to say that right now. Dudes that, like, Christian in Clueless gave me such a terrible expectation that boys who dressed like Christian in Clueless would be kind and good and not horrible. He's, like... Every boy I know that looked like that was horrible. They're all horrible. Be- yeah, because here's the thing. They're all doing it on purpose and exactly. they hate you. <laughs> yes. They're and- doing it on purpose and it's because they hate you and themselves. 
I guess. And then he takes her to see the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones in a contractually obligated concert scene that was just all over films of this. Again, we are one year removed from uh, Royal Crown Review appearing in The Mask. And we are one year ahead of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy appearing in Swingers. And two years from two years ahead of um, the Boston's like big breakout like hit, but they've been kind of you know floating around in the background of the scene for a while, and they kind of get to slip into this film and do their thing and then step out. So let's talk about it. Let's. <laughs> I love that you hate it so much. It just uh, this is where'd you go by the mighty mighty boss tones. Let's go to a clip. Let's do it. See, now here's the thing. I can take about 10 minutes of the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. This is minute 12. No, this song sucks hard. <laughs> Like, I'm fine with the boss. Like, I actually kind of don't mind it. But, like, yeah, this is not it. This one is awful. <laughs> now, um, you were telling me a funny story about uh, watching this with Nikki. Okay. So I'm, I'm watching this with my girlfriend, Nikki. At some point in the past, I had to explain to her what Ska was. Oh, she must live such a precious life. A yeah, precious, I mean, blissful life. Not anymore. Uh, but... <laughs> Because uh, the Boston song, uh, the impression that I get came on the radio, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is ska." And she was like, "What is that? What does that mean?" And I had to explain that to her a little bit. And then ever since, that's apparently just become my music no. that I apparently love. Because every time <laughs> it comes on the radio, she's like, "Oh, this is your song." <laughs> what station are you listening to that you frequently hear the Mighty Mighty Bostones? Sirius XM nineties on nine. Oh, Bessie, that's your whole problem. I know. I pay for radio. What the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> no, you pay to be, listen to ska. I don't know. Ska is your life. It defines who you are as a person, and you'll never turn your back on ska. You know, you know that joke that like ska is what eleven year olds hear when they when their mozzarella sticks show up. Like that's true. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the they go to a Boston's concert in the film. And she immediately recognizes the band and their sound. And she points at them and she, I, I can see it on her face. She forgot the word ska. <laughs> and I'm, if she is listening to this, I am not making fun of you. I just thought this was no, funny I think and this adorable is amazing. and I love you. This is and amazing, Nikki, and I love you she too. She points at the screen and goes, it's Boose. <laughs> that is what ska is called now. I didn't, I don't make the rules. Ska is now called Boose. <laughs> I don't know if she was confusing the band name or what, but like, it's Boos. And there it is now. I love that. I love that. I genuinely love that. For now and all time. And and again, if you are listening to this, Nikki, I am, I'm sorry, but this is just adorable it's, and I love you. It's so perfect. I'm, I'm adapting this. This is, it's now Lexicon. Yeah. In the film, the Bostons play a couple songs and Christian's way into it. Yes. And everyone's trying and somehow to- somehow this party is more depressing than the last one. I mean, at least they're not ruining someone's house. I guess, but they're ruining their hearts. But in this scene, everyone from Ty to Josh to just the universe in general tries to impress upon Cher that Christian is not interested in her mm -hmm. because he's gay. 
Yes. Um, although it's cute because Josh so- shows up at the party. I love Josh and I love Paul Rudd. And he's perfect in every way. Mm-hmm. But he's deeply misogynistic in this film. Just talking yeah. about like what she's wearing. He really negs on her, but he shows up at the party to kind of keep an eye on her and ends up dancing with Ty, which is so sweet. And I love it. Yes, yeah, like at the same time, like, yeah, good for him. Josh he's... and Ty should have ended up together. There I they really it. should have. So. Ty is in love with Josh. Who wouldn't be? I mean, it's Paul fucking Rudd. The party is over and everyone's cleaning up and... and Christian is still dancing. He's still skanking. God. So, and we hear uh, Luscious Jackson uh, here. Yes. Playing. So let's go to a clip there. I really do love how many women are on this soundtrack and not just like not just women but women who rock mm-hmm. um the late 90s were just such a, a great time for female voices and I never heard Luscious Jackson but I really love this whole sort of uh trip hop scene they got going on yeah this I think I had known about Luscious Jackson a little bit and this is not really what I knew about them was like this kind of sound mm-hmm. but that's because this is like a, a remix this is called the the squirmal mix on mm-hmm. the soundtrack which really just means like they dialed up all the keyboard effects as loud as they could yeah and made which it kind I of really kind of a like. dance pop song which yeah it works it's just like that's it doesn't jive with my image of the band i guess no and then you see the, the music video of them like playing the song in like the middle of like a roller derby arena and it's a little odd it's, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, and because it, it's it's got these bubblegum vocals, but it's also just unapologetically feminist and like hardcore. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Which I really, really dig. Also, I love Ty's silver Doc Martens in this scene. <laughs> it, it should be noted with the the music video. This is the like this song got the official like soundtrack music video. Yes, because they keep cutting in clips from Clueless. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I, I think a couple of the actors yeah. appear. In the film, I think so. The... Yeah, like they they kind of, they cut Luscious Jackson into like the the photo shoot montage in mm-hmm. the film, so that's kind of neat. Yeah. Like I want I, I wonder though like because this got the video like I wonder how this did as like a, a promotional single. I couldn't never find anything about that. Huh. That's weird. Billboarding school had nothing. Not a not a thing. It's not it's not on the test. No. Whatever. Um. But alas, we do find out through a very ill fated date that. Uh, Christian, not really interested in Cher, and uh, he's more he's more interested in Tony Curtis. Yeah, let's, well, let's be real. I do like that Murray refers to him as a friend of Dorothy, which is an outdated term now. But if we go back to uh, my fellow Americans, yeah, that was the, a kind of a contemporary thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's I it has fallen out of fashion, but. Um, I always thought that was like kind of a neat term. Yeah. So, um, what I like about the portrayal of Christian, while he is sort of stereotypically gay, they don't make a huge point of it for Cher. Mm-hmm. Like he never he never makes a scene of like coming out to Cher, and she just fully accepts him right there. It's not like 
oh, well, you're gay, but can we still be friends? She's just like, okay. And she keeps moving yeah. with it. And it's I do find... Like, a, like one romantic prospect off the table. Yeah. And, and lets him be who he is. Which I really, really like. I'm... We weren't exactly forward thinking in 1995 with our gay characters. So I think this is this is about as good as we're going to get. But also it's a big like part of like Cher's development as a character, because this is where she kind of realizes like she just has to let people be themselves and not yeah. try to actively be the one to change everybody. Yeah, that they're her. not pet projects. Exactly. And although I do find it interesting that she lives in L.A. and has apparently never met a gay man. Uh, yeah, that's a little, a little out there. Yeah, that's where you're just sort of like, mm, I think this might be a fantasy film. Um, especially so she's shopping with Christian, and these two guys are messing around with Ty, and like hold her over a railing, and she's screaming like, "Stop it!" And then Christian comes to rescue her. So it's ridiculous. Um, but Ty becomes more popular. Um, so mm-hmm. but good for her, but she's also rude to Travis. So how about no? Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, but meanwhile, Cher is being rude uh, to Lucy, their housekeeper, and she's also racist. Hmm. Mm. She doesn't realize that El Salvador is a different country. Yeah. So Josh calls her out on that. Good. And and then uh, yeah, good for him. And Cher has to go on a little bit of a soul seeking journey, mm-hmm. uh, wandering around L.A. Yes. To the tune of uh, All By Myself covered by Jewel. Okay. <sighs> Yikes. That's that's definitely a choice. Yes. Thank you for not being actually on the soundtrack. Yes, please. And thank you. Thank you. But um, it's, it's the, it's the, it's weird that it's not because this is the, this is the music cue where Cher has her great big epiphany. Yeah. That, oh my God, I love Josh. Because she's jealous that Ty is in love with Josh. Yeah. I'm. Um... And again, Jules kind of having her moment, and mm-hmm. this does feel like a bit of a, like it should have been on the soundtrack. Um, but alas, I wonder where all these went. Like, where do they exist? If not on the soundtrack, if not on, I mean, I don't, maybe it is on one of Jules' albums. I have no idea. Um, I don't listen to Jules. I don't live in a van down by the river. Um, but like, where did all these go? That is a great question. Where can uh, we hear them? Reddit seems to think that Jules' cover of All By Myself is considered lost media. Very cool. Which is bizarre considering it's All By Myself and it's Jewel. Yeah. Huh. Let's find it. Then again, that's Reddit I'm talking about. Hey, Reddit. Uh, let's, go to, let's go to the Jewel wiki. Nope, nothing there either. Yeah. Hey, guys, guess what? There is a Jewel wiki. There's a wiki for everything. Uh-huh. I'm... I do want to point out that they continually say the movie's title. Yeah. They're constantly saying that they're clueless. We're like, okay, we get it. You're in a movie called Clueless. We get it. It's Richmond High. These times are definitely fast. Yes. Good God. Um, (laughs) I do think it's it's creepy that she's in love with her stepbrother. Yeah. And not not just that, but also like he's, he's established he's in law school. So he's at least 22 and she's 15. Yeah. No, she's 16, thank you. But yeah. Well, well, she, yeah, at, eventually. Yeah, you're right. So it's still, it's a, it's a little like, uh, that to yeah. me is like, did 
I don't think I ever thought that was cute. I always, th- I think even watching this as a young woman, I always thought that was a little like, mm. like as that's, hard that's as like, this film, like establishes that he's basically her brother. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. It's just, it's a little too porno for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we get it. I, uh, she talks to her dad about her feelings and she, yeah, she realizes that she needs to do a soul makeover. And yes, uh, this is also set to uh, shake some action. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Yes, uh, it's a, too much of a good thing of <laughs> Clueless. <laughs> and she does it like in her way, like packing. There's been a disaster at uh, Pismo Beach. So she taking them ski equipment and caviar and the things they might need. Um, we once again see Travis, who has joined a 12 step program to deal with his need for chemical substances Mm -hmm. and she says she'll go to his skateboarding show because she's trying to be a better person this is a really sweet moment too because like with christian like she realizes like travis is just doing his thing and living his life and that's okay yeah and she and like she can just be happy for him and not bully him for being travis yeah and he's also trying to be a better person and Right, because he apologizes to her for, like, ruining her shoes that she doesn't even remember. Yeah. So, Travis, you're all right. You're okay, bud. So, um, and you're a good skateboarder. And we get uh, the Beastie Boys with Mullet Head. Ugh, okay. Let's go to a clip. Fun fact, uh, Luscious Jackson drummer Kate Schwellenbach was the, a founding member of the Beastie Boys. Really? Yep. I did not, yes. I did not know that. Yes, she was. She was a Beastie Boy. That's she pretty cool. She was a Beastie Boy. Um, I like that this one kind of taps into their hard rock roots. Uh, kind of, I guess. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of this one. I think it's just it, because like Beastie Boys can do do two things. They they can either do the the hip hop thing or they do the punk rock thing. I think they're better at the hip hop thing. Yeah, this one doesn't land for me. It was sort of a neat experiment. Yeah. If, I, I was like, okay. I I like I like that they're doing this. It's not for me. I respect it, but I'm not going to listen to it after this. Yeah, like it it makes sense that this was a B-side that wasn't officially on um, ill communication mm-hmm. like yeah i get why they cut this one yeah this one isn't isn't great um but we finally get uh our romantic payoff with josh and Cher. uh he does kind of nag her which again i do not like josh he is not a great stop. character he cannot stop doing it i know he's just kind of an asshole um but they kiss and it's creepy I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I know we all love this movie and we all love Paul Rudd, but she's making out with her stepbrother and that's weird. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. As an adult, I cannot contone this. Um, He's making out with Batgirl and I cannot, I cannot sanction this buffoonery. <laughs> so, and the movie very quickly ends with Mr. Hall and Miss Guy's getting married. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. Cher catches the bouquet, makes out with Josh, the end. And then we get the very last song on the soundtrack which is Need You Around by... The Smoking Popes, making their return to the OSD party. Welcome back. Yes. Let's go to a clip. 
discovered this song in college and I because I remember putting it on a mix for my husband and only just in doing this realized that it was from the Clueless soundtrack <laughs> um, this one to me it's a little more blown out than my lucky day uh, which mm-hmm. we heard on the Tommy Boy soundtrack um, it's still got that like that really hard drive and it's more what they sound like normally my lucky day was a little lightweight for them Um, but I feel like the vocals on this are the vocals that should have been on, uh, shake some action. Like they should have swapped. I I could see that. Yeah. So, uh, I I like that this, the the movie ends with this song because this song kind of, again, going back to like the metaphor of the soundtrack, it's kind of about what the movie has been telling us all along. It's like all these characters kind of. It's, I mean, the song's about, you know, companionship and, and being directionless without people. And these characters, like, they bounce off one another. But if you remove any one of them, and then the dynamic no longer works. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they all kind of need each other. And I like that you know, they all need each other around, as it yeah. were. And I like that that's kind of the thesis statement of the whole film wrapped up right there at the end credits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the only nice. downside is who stays for the end credits. So, especially Me. now watching this on DVD, you're just going to turn it off. So I feel like, and again, especially with it being the end credits song, you would have thought this would have gotten the, you know, the big music video. Yeah, really. So, um, but no, I feel like, uh, the Smoky Popes got shortchanged a little bit. I actually picked this one up on, uh, 45 a little while ago. It's a live version, but it's the the B side of a 45 of theirs that I bought. I saw it. It was like five bucks. I was like, I, I love this song. So why not? I do like the smoking puffs a lot. Although I think in my head, I get them confused with either the Shaw Blades, who are also on the Tommy Boy soundtrack, or Sugar Bomb, which I was also listening to a lot because my uh, husband had put them on a mix for me when we were dating. So I think a lot of those bands sort of get mixed up in my head. You know, sometimes like like the names of bands kind of get garbled up. Like I keep seeing the Smoking Popes and thinking it's the Stone Roses, which I know they're not at all the same. Yeah. Doesn't or, mean I don't read it wrong. Yeah. Or somehow sometimes they get in my head as Bash and Pop, which makes no huh. sense because Bash and Pop uh, weren't even on like the Tommy Boy soundtrack with them. No. Yeah. Because that's, um, that's Tommy Stinson's post-replacements band. But Paul Westerberg was on the Tommy Boy soundtrack. I don't know, but like those things like weirdly blur and like that's the the you know, red string of my brain. This is like the school of rock like chalkboard all over yes, again. Yes, where it just goes like somehow the smoking popes connect to whatever. It's just it's yeah. it's messy. So it's Pepe Silva all the way. It is, it is. Um so but yeah, that's that's clueless, everybody. That is clueless. Um, how do you think this one holds up? The film's definitely a product of its time, but I think the soundtrack and the film kind of work together, and they both kind of hold each other up. I really enjoy kind of the whole experience here. Yeah, I don't know if I'd watch Clueless again. I think it just like it has a very so- like warm place 
for me as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely like kind of a sick day comfort watch. Uh, but I think the soundtrack in a way holds up a little better for me more as an adult. Yeah, agreed. Like, I think the film is definitely it's one of those easy kind of it's just an easy watch. Yeah. It's an enjoyable watch, but the soundtrack is just it, there's more meat to those bones, I guess. I would have liked an expanded soundtrack. Again, what happened to Jules cover of All By Myself? Who you know, knows? what about, you know, some of the other songs on there? It would, yeah. it would be nice to, to get some of those. So I'm um, what about that second boss tones tune? We'll never know. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> See, it's funny that you say there's a second one because I didn't know they stopped the first one. I actually I could not tell those two songs apart. I thought it was just really long. No, the second one, someday I suppose, is a song that as soon as I heard it, I thought, where the hell have I heard this before? Dig deep down in the recesses of my brain. It's the theme song to the Adam Carolla podcast, which I haven't listened to in ten fucking years. Well, good because Adam Carolla is terrible. Oh, he's a dumb piece of shit now. But ten years ago, I didn't know that. Yikes! He's this the, is jo- he was the Joe the Rogan of his time. <laughs> yeah. No, Adam Carolla's always been a douche. I know my ex used to like him. Um, he thought the the man show was like the pinnacle. I'm like, dude, you you are not a man. You weigh 104 pounds. You wear women's jeans and Star Wars t-shirts, and you play Madden on your GameCube. You are not the kind of man Adam Carolla thinks you should be. No, 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 no. Yeah. I listened to it back when there were like four podcasts out in the world. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, that, it's, it's that kind of situation. Yikes. But you know what? We, we don't have to dwell on that. Let's just end on a high note and say that Clueless, the album, is great. And y'all should go check it out. Yes, indeed. It is on vinyl. So pick that up. Um, and if so, you want to watch the film, it's on HBO Max. Yes. Uh, so I was, I was actually very glad that I had it and could just watch it and didn't have to go hunt it down. Uh, so go. what are we doing next week? Uh, next week, well, we're going to go back to the 80s for a little bit and talk about a film you probably haven't thought of in a long time. It's 1988's Married to the Mob. Ooh, get to talk about Matthew Modine. I'm stoked. So It's going to be great. Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Modine. Uh, who's on Dean that? Stockwell? Oh, everybody's favorite. Everybody loves Dean Stockwell. Uh, yeah, we got uh, New Order. We got Debbie Harry. We got Ziggy Marley. So good. Ooh, that's going to be fun. It's I'm, I'm really, excited. Sinead O'Connor opens the soundtrack and it only gets better from there. Oof. I know. I can't wait. Real heavy hitters. All right. Well, until then, uh, folks, you can you can uh, email us anything you want um, at ostpartypod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at ostparty. Look for the poll for this soundtrack to go up over the weekend uh, after this releases. Um Libby, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Or you can find me over on the Shattered Shield podcast. We're heading into season seven, so brace yourself. Joe, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me on uh, Instagram and or Twitter at Cordial Wombat. Or you can listen to me yell about Christmas movies on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps. We just... Uh, released an episode about the Muppet Family Christmas special. Yeah. Which we all uh, had, ne- had A, never seen before, and B, all of us loved it. How have you never seen that? It is amazing. I don't know. We it's watch like, that every I, Christmas. It was like one of those things, like, how have I how have I gone this long without ever experiencing this? Watch out for the wonderful. icy patch. 
Exactly. Love that. But uh, yeah, go check that out. It was, it was a fun time. And uh, yeah, we will see y'all again uh, in a couple of weeks for another fantabulous OST party. So for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride.